What a blessing to be back with you this morning, I tell you. I've been looking forward to this. was invited by Pastor Ben. I said, yeah, I'd be glad, happy to come. And uh, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, and my wife, my wife is sitting uh, back in the back. She came faithfully with me while we were ministering here, uh, while the search committee was looking for the Lord's man to come. And uh, Sue and I have been married. Well, I better not mess this one up, had I? <laughs> We've been married a long time. <laughs> and uh, for you who are visitors here, uh, I, we thank the Lord for you that are visiting with this congregation. Uh, we pray that the Lord will just bless you mightily as you worship here and that God would fan into flame the good work that he seeks to do among us. Well, this morning, as we come to God's holy word, this is a, a passage uh, that I'm sure as you read the worship folder, you thought, man, 33 verses, how in the world are we going to get through all of that this morning? Well, we're not going to do it, we're not going to uh, swallow it all at one time, okay? So, what I'm going to do this morning is I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, and before the sermon, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 17. 1 through 17, uh, before the morning message. This is the passage that's dealing with a, a man of God, a man that was going to be a man of God, a man whose father and whose grandfather, most, most of his grandfather's life, hated the things of God, hated the things of God. And it was only in the last few years of his grandfather's life that his grandfather came and turned to the Lord. But his grandfather had a son by the name of Ammon. And Ammon, what Ammon, what Ammon reigned for two years, and Ammon was a pagan, a pagan throughout all of his being. And this man, Josiah, is the son of Ammon. Now, many times when we think about the things of the Lord, we might be apt to think, well, you know, if your grandpa lived a long time and could care less about the things of God, and if his son didn't want a thing to do with the things of God, what in the world will his son do? Well, the things that are impossible with men are what? Don't ever forget it. They're possible with God. Let's look now in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning at verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father, while he was still a boy. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Jerusalem, Judah and Jerusalem and the high places, the, and, and the ashram and the carved and metal images. 
And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke in pieces the asherim and the carved and the metal images. And he made dust of them and scattered them over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in, these, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house Josiah sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Masaiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. They came to Hilkiah the priest and gave him the money that had been brought into the house of God, which the Levites, the keepers of the threshold, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim and from all the remnant of Israel and from all Judah and Benjamin, and from the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they gave it to the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord. And the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord gave it for repairing and restoring the house. And they gave it to the carpenters and the builders to buy quarried stone and timbers for binders and beams for buildings that the kings of Judah had let go to ruin. You hear that? They just let the house of the Lord go. Just let it go. And the men did work faithfully. Over them were set Jahath and Obadiah, the Levites, of the sons of Merari and Zechariah and Meshulam, of the sons of Kohathites, to have oversight. The Levites and all who were skillful with instruments of music were the burden bearers. And directed all the work in every kind of service, and some of the Levites were scribes and officials and gatekeepers. While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest, the high priest he is, Hilkiah the priest, look, found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. What did you just hear? He found The high priest found. You think, whoa, how could it go that far? How could it go so far down? Well, he found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the secretary, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king. All that was committed to your servants, they are doing. They have emptied out, they have emptied out the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. We will continue the passage in the course of this morning's message. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, when we when we think about this day and time, we know, O oh Lord, that in these United States of America, 
and around the world. There are a lot of people who would like to, to nail the doors shut on those who love the Lord and who desire to worship together. We pray, O oh God, now that you would take this passage, your holy word, and that you would use it in a mighty way. And I pray, O oh God, that it might enable each of us to experience a revival in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Imagine that in the distant future, a 10-year-old boy says to his mama, Hey, Mom, what's this? I just found it in one of those old dusty boxes down in the basement. What is it? Do you have any idea what it is? And his mom would answer, Oh, it's something that your great-grandfather and your great-grandmother is something that they used to read fairly often. They called it the Bible. But today, hardly anybody knows what the book is about or even cares. Though the previous conversation is imaginary, an actual situation occurred over 2,700 years ago in which God's holy book, the Bible, was laid aside and gathering dust. Over 2,700 years ago. Really, there is nothing new under the sun, is there? Both books of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles record a portion of that era when God's holy word was ignored for several decades, during the reigns of King Manasseh and King Ammon. Following the assassination of King Ammon, after only two years of reigning, his son Josiah, Josiah became king of Judah, when he was only eight years old. How about that, young kids? <laughs> How would you like to be crowned king at eight years of age? Well, of course, he had men around him who were going to be looked upon to really share their wisdom and, and perspective on what needed to be done in the kingdom. Eight years later, as a teenager, King Josiah began to seek the Lord. He began to seek the Lord. He's about 16 years old. Teenagers, it's very important for you who are teenagers as well. M many times, many times, Adults can get into a notion, we adults can get into a notion of thinking, well, now these teenagers, they're not going to pay attention to any of this stuff. Well, you need to tell Josiah that. Because Josiah was a teenager when he came to the Lord. He looked around and he saw all that was going on, and God worked in his heart, and he, he turned to the Lord. If you're here this morning as a teenager and you don't know Christ, then Listen to this message, for this message has something very good for you.
and for all of us. He began to seek the Lord, and in the twelfth year of King Josiah's reign, when he was about 19 years old, he began to purge Jerusalem and Judah of its pagan practices, along with Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, and Naphtali. Here is a 19-year-old man. And once he came to the Lord, he thought, you know, we've got to take care of this. We've got to stop all of these things that are being done, people praying to the moon and sun and all kinds of things. We have got to get back to the things that are important. And then in the 18th year of King Josiah's reign, when he was about 25 years old, Josiah would be considered in our day as a 25-year-old, he'd be considered to be a, a millennial, would he not? Were he living in our day, a millennial. And you know, there's some fallacies here with regard to a millennial. And if you're a millennial here this morning, this message is also a blessing, will be a blessing to you. Not because I'm preaching it, but because the Word of God. Because this man, a 25-year-old man, who was a godly, a godly man and a godly millennial, he initiated the greatest restoration that would ever be, uh, uh, that would ever happen, say, in re with regard to the temple and with regard to God's people. It was during this restoration, the restoration of the temple, that Hilkiah the high priest found the long-ignored book of the law of Moses. The written word of the Lord had remained buried and out of sight for a number of decades. Now, as you think about this, you'll begin in your minds to put together some things. It's like, well, boy, I'll tell you what. If, if God's people stop paying attention to God's word and the reading of his word, it doesn't take long till it'll all go, come apart, right? Let me tell you, our nation right now, our nation needs to think about Josiah and how God used this young man, this young man who came to Christ at 16 years of age, and then who began to say, no, we're going to get rid of this, we're going to get rid of this, and we're going to do this. And so here we are with the high priest finding the law of the Lord. According to Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 to 19, Moses had commanded that every future king in Israel was to make his own personal copy of the law. Do you hear that? Moses had commanded that every future king of Israel was to make his own personal copy of the law and that each ruler was to read from it how often? Every day. That was the instruction of Moses. They were also to make sure that it was written down and they had their own copy so they could read it. 
But what we find is that Moses' instruction, which had been given about 825 years prior to the time of our morning text, 825 years prior to the time of our morning text, it had been ignored by a number of kings of, the, of Israel and Judah. You see, it's not hard, folks. It's not hard to fall into this stuff. People will be reading the Word of God, and then they get a little lazy. We get a little lazy, right? And we'll say, well, I'll, I'll read it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, and then there's something happens, and we think, I'm just so dead beat tonight. I, I've just got to I just got to go to bed to get some rest. Isn't that the way it occurs? It comes little by little in you and in me. And the Lord comes, and he has to shake us and say, think about what you're doing. You've got to stay in the word of the Lord. That negligence had resulted in a massive increase of pagan practices that were embraced by many of the kings and people alike. This morning, I'm going to challenge you, and our Lord himself, will, through his holy word, will emphasize. He will emphasize the importance of the daily reading of God's holy word. I don't have to stand here and beat anybody <laughs> around the face or say, no, this is God's word. He says to you and to me what he expects. He will emphasize the importance of daily reading of his holy word and the significance of the exposition of God's holy word when believers are gathered together on the Lord's day. This is not, this is not an optional get gathering. This is not a, do you feel okay, that, do, or you, you're, you're just this, well, oh, I don't think I'm going to go today. And there's hardly anything wrong with you aside from, well, I'm just worn out. The Lord wants you and me to be in the right place at the right time for the exposition of God's holy word whenever we as believers are gathered together on the Lord's day. But you know what else we're going to find, though, in this text is that we will also be reminded that Satan is delighted. Satan is delighted when the personal reading of God's holy word and the exposition of his holy word are ignored. You, you and I have to think about that. We have to think, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to roll over and take another little nap. And, and Satan is there. I think that's a good idea. Isn't that the case? I mean, the battle is tough. It really is. It's a daily battle for you and for me. We're going to see that he's delighted when the personal reading of God's Word is laid aside, as well as the attending to the exposition of it. For Satan is pleased when the Word of God has been set aside collecting dust. He, he loves it. Because he knows that in time, spiritual darkness will prevail within a particular culture. He knows that just give it time, and it'll take over. Listen now to what occurred in the 18th year, though, of Josiah's reign, and in the sixth year of Jeremiah's ministry. You've got to realize that what God did 
was God raised up two men in a very close proximity of time. He raised up Josiah and he raised up Jeremiah. And this that we're looking at this morning took place in about the sixth year of Jeremiah. Now, if you want to, if you want to get a power for a, a guy with a lot of power as well, you just read some of Jeremiah, a guy who said, no, I can't do this. God's called him, right? He calls him saying, I want you to go and I want you to stay. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And the Lord said, uh-uh. That, I'm not accepting your excuse. And, man, I'm telling you what, if you, if you want to read something that will really get your attention, you read the book of Jeremiah because a man who said, I don't want to do this, let me, he stood like steel. He loved the Lord. And he was used mightily of God. Well, when you put these two men together, Josiah and Jeremiah, something's going to happen, and it's going to be good for the kingdom. Look now in God's holy word in 2 Chronicles 34, beginning at verse 18. The scripture says, Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king, that's King Josiah, heard the words of the law. Now listen, verse 19, he tore his clothes and listened then to young King Josiah's orders. And the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Asaiah, the, the king's servant, saying, listen, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. I mean, this man, Josiah, his heart has been pierced by the Word of God. And, and you know, he's not, he's not saying, well, now do you like this with regard to the Word of God? He stands and he does what he's called to do. From the days beginning with the period of the judges, if you think back in historical time, the judges, that era began about 1375 B.C., and from that day up until the day of Josiah's father, King Ammon, whom you already heard me say could care less about the things of God, from the day of the judges to the day of King Ammon, there had been numerous occasions during those 735 years when the written word of God had been simply ignored. Ignored. I ask you, my brothers and sister in Christ, you who know the Lord, how often are you reading the Word of God? How often are you meditating on God's holy Word? Nobody's going to stand there and beat you over the head with a broom, right? Saying, you better do this. But I tell you, when you and I hear God's Word, the Holy Spirit comes to us, does He not? And says, what's going on? Four days now. Four days and you aren't doing, aren't doing a thing. Well, I got to No, no, no. And so if you're here this morning and you find yourself at times getting lazy when it comes to the, thing, the Word of God, 
Today is the day that that needs to stop in your life and in my life. Never forget that Satan is pleased when the Word of God has been set aside, uh, gathering and collecting dust. He loves it. He loves dusty Bibles. It's like, man, keep piling it on. Because he knows that in time, spiritual darkness will prevail within a culture. It'll take over. And that is what has happened to many of the churches in the United States of America, has it not? That's why we're in the shape we're in. Because few people are reading the Word of God. And few people are paying attention to the Word of God. And few people are living according to the Word of God. It needs also to be very clear that disaster awaits a church and a nation which forsakes and ignores God's written word. Notice now here in 2 Chronicles 34, verses 22 through 28. Look now, beginning at verse 22. So Hilkiah and those whom the king had sent to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Toka, son of Hashra, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem and in the second quarter, and spoke, and, and he spoke to her to that effect. And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, You tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings of, to other gods, and that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. Do you hear the word of God? Disaster awaits. Disaster awaits a person, a church, or a nation that forsakes the written word of God. But, you know, it doesn't end there. But mercy, mercy is bestowed on those who embrace and who read and obey God's holy word. It's just the counter. It's, the, it's, it's totally different from the way Satan operates. When the Lord gets a hold of you, the Lord, the Lord makes it clear inside of you that this is important. Verse 26, But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus says, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you've heard, because your heart, because King Josiah's heart, was tender, and you humbled yourself before God, and you heard his words against this place and its inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you. How long has it been since the Lord has heard you? Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. It was being said to King Josiah. Ultimately, you will be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes 
shall not see the disaster that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. I could see them when they came back and the king's there. And, well, when the king sees them walking toward him, I'm sure he's saying, well, what did the Lord have to say? You know, a major change was about to occur in Judah and Jerusalem and even some parts of the northern kingdom that had, that had already been destroyed but, but still had altars there. You see, blessed are God's people who love the Lord, who read and meditate upon his holy word, and who encourage others to do the same. Josiah, Josiah, when he got the word back as to what he ought to do, Josiah didn't say, well, you know, I don't know if this is going to fit into my schedule or not. Josiah immediately desired to put it into practice. Notice verse 29. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you, here's a 25-year-old man. Here is a millennial. The millennial's standing up there as king, and he said, here's what we're going to do. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people, both great and small. I want all of you to come here. And they did. Now listen. And the king, the king read in their hearing, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. I mean, this king, he wasn't playing games. He wasn't just trying to win friends and influence people. He was wanting to influence people, but with the word. Now, how many today are trying to win this and do that and do the other, but not doing it from the word? He read in their hearing the, all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place, and he made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book, in this book. I mean, here's a king who's standing before his people, and he's thinking, you know, I need to be doing something. I need to be doing this. Then the king made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin, he made all of them stand to it, that is, make a similar pledge. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel. And he made all who were present in Israel. That was, at one time, the northern kingdom. 
But the, the northern kingdom had been destroyed. But there were still people who had escaped that came back into that area. And so they were worshiping foreign gods in, in Israel, in the northern kingdom. And so he, he took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel. And he made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. And all his days they did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Can you imagine, had you been there on that day, standing before the king? Do you think it would have pierced your heart? I guarantee the Spirit of God was moving mightily. We all need to experience the movement of the Spirit of God in our heart from His Word. From His Word. We don't have to stand around and act like we're trying to hear voices or all this kind of nonsense. We go to the Word, for His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, is it not? That's what the Scripture says. You know, what a difference. I mean, he, he, spoke, he was speaking to the leaders, the leaders of the people. He was speaking to the people themselves. And what a difference godly leaders and godly believers can make. It's incredible. It simply takes a few whom God puts the grit in to say, we got to change. This, the Word of God has to have a prominent place in your life and my life. This morning, you and I have heard, we've heard the fact that Satan is pleased when the Word of God has been set aside collecting dust because he knows that in time, spiritual darkness will prevail within that culture. He, he knows all that. And so he's delighted when he's pleased when the Word of God is set aside. And, but we've also seen this morning that disaster awaits a person or a church or a nation which forsakes and ignores God's written Word. But mercy is bestowed on those who embrace and read and obey God's holy Word. That last part is really good, isn't it? Mercy is bestowed on those who take to heart the Holy Word, God's Holy Word. We don't have to be beating on anything and making all kinds of noise, so to speak, or whatever. You see, the people that you and I rub shoulders with on a daily basis are more concerned with the way you really are than the way you talk. Does that make sense? They're more concerned about the way you, really, you, and, I, you and I really are and the way we talk. The Lord wants to see you and me taking this to heart and by ourselves coming before the Lord and say, Lord, listen, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Blessed are those people who love the Lord, who read and meditate on God's holy word, and who encourage others to do the same. That, too, is extremely important. 
The psalmist reminds us, each of us about the importance of delighting in the scriptures. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he does what? He meditates day and night. The psalmist also wrote in Psalm 119, verses 11 and in verse 17, the psalmist said, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, I learned it in the old King James. And, I, you know, I've, I've lived so long now, I've got so many book Bibles, you know, the different translations, that I'll get in one and I'll jump over to the other, you know, not even realizing what I'm doing. I learned that thy word, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Many of you learned that same way. The point is, the psalmist hid God's word in his heart. It was that important. He, he memorized it. And I'm telling you what, if you're in the middle of the night sometime and you, and you focus on God's word, even when you're having a, a sleepless night, one of the, a sleepless night can be put to bed by a person thinking and reading the scriptures, can it not? Satan does not desire, he doesn't deny, desire a person to read the word, but you and I can read his word and meditate on it day and night. And in Psalm 40, verse 8, David declared, I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Every person in this room who knows the Lord should be able to say, Lord, your word has been hid, hidden in my heart. Your law is within my heart. The Lord's probably challenging a number of us today. A number of us who are here and say, you know, i got to change. It's not going to be business as usual. The weeping prophet Jeremiah proclaimed in Jeremiah 15, 16, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul wrote the following to the believers in Colossae. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, it was, this is all through the Bible that we are to have his word richly within us. Never forget the exposition and reading of God's holy word. Never forget that those two things are essential in every generation. Essential. And that they will always withstand the test of time. There are many people today, there are, there are people that are leaving, leaving the church, so to speak, throughout America. They're, they're young and old that are saying, this, is, this isn't true. Let me tell you what. They just put themselves on a direction that is contrary to what you've heard this morning. This is the Word of God. 
It has stood the test in time. And I tell you, young people, if you bump into folks and they say, do you really believe that? You know what you need to say? Well, Jesus did. Jesus believed the Old Testament, and he did. He made no bones about it. You mean, you mean Jesus believed that God created the heavens and the earth? Well, yeah, he did. He really did. Do you believe that, that, that Jesus really lived? Yes, I believe Jesus lived. And I believe he died on the cross for our sins and that he was raised from the dead. And I can tell you, you will never go wrong by standing along with Jesus. Never. He believed the Old Testament. And he also said to his apostles that he was going to give them things to come. That's the New Testament. He put his seal of approval on the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so if you really want to come along and stand beside somebody, it's Jesus Christ that you need to stand beside. You'll never go wrong. In the midst of the Enlightenment, when deism was spreading rapidly, Voltaire, a ranked deist, Voltaire, who rejected all that rested on the authority of the Bible, he hated the, he hated the book. Voltaire proclaimed in his day that within 25 years, the Bible would be forgotten. Now, this is in the 1700s, okay? He made this grand prophecy that within 25 years, the Bible would be forgotten and Christianity would be a thing of the past. But you know what? Forty years after Voltaire's death in 1778, the Bible and other Christian literature were being printed in what once had been Voltaire's very own home. The Lord's not a debtor to anybody. And young people today, listen, you will hear, you will hear people that are well-educated. You will hear people that can speak so eloquently, some of whom do not know the Lord. But young people, don't be moved by simple eloquence or education. Young people and adults as well, listen to what the people are saying. Listen to a Voltaire. He was a very smart man. But he used it for his own ends. And the Lord said, uh-uh. And Voltaire's house was one day turned into a printing press, so to speak, for the Bible and Christian literature. Christians, read, reflect upon, and embrace God's holy word. For it will stand the test of time. That's what's happened every time. Every time people think this is all done, the ship's going down, everything, then the Lord stands up. Says, no. I'm asking you. You who are here today assembled. Are you willing to stand for Christ? Are you willing to have people say, you know, you, <laughs> I thought you were educated. I am. 
But because a person has an education doesn't mean that one does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in God's holy word in the Old Testament and New Testament. This is the word of God. It will stand the test of time. And if there are any here today who've never trusted in Christ, I challenge you to embrace the words written by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, found in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? exactly right it this has been true in many 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 people's lives that they trusted in the lord that they believed his word for if you confess your for if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be saved i challenge you who don't know christ today i challenge you to trust in the lord jesus christ I was a teenager when I came to Christ. And if you're here as a teen, I challenge you, come to Christ and don't be ashamed after you do. And he'll help you. And then I challenge you, you adults, I challenge you if you've not been spending the time in the word of God that you should, I challenge you to come before the Lord, ask his forgiveness, and say, Lord, please help me to be a shining light in this dark world, let us pray.